prosecution outlined how accounting practices what fuck? What? did not What kind of likeness is that? If they were great artists, they'd be in a museum. I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists now. To another episode of Gutter Boys. This is episode 44. I'm your host, JB, with my co-host, Cam. Today, we're joined by special guest, Brian Baines, creator of Bubbles, the comic fanzine that has taken the world by storm. Uh, we'll be discussing uh, how he got into zines and what he loves about comics. Uh, but before we get into that, we have uh, not a whole lot of news, honestly. Yeah. Not really. So, uh, last episode was Zeus nothing heavy. but riffs. Yeah, that's where I'm gonna put the guitar solo. So before drop it right there. <laughs> All right. So before we get into uh, more riffs, we just have to shout out Brian from Bubbles. Brian sent us over copies of the new issue, which you can order right now. Bubbles, you know where to get <laughs> Bubbles. But um, if you don't, let me look up what their website is because I fucked up and didn't write it down. Uh, yeah, you can get that over at www.bubblezine.com. The new issue is number nine. Brian talks a lot about what the contents are of that in our interview, so stay tuned for that. Uh, you can also pick up the back issues as well. And another quick shout out to Brian McRae for sending over a pretty big package to both of us here. Uh, you can check out Brian on Instagram at B.A. McRae and pick up some of his comics. They were uh, really cool to look at. And uh, if you want to send us comics, uh, you do have to send them to two different locations. Uh, there's uh, just DM us on Instagram and we'll shout you out on the show and, you know, we'll read them. Yep. So if you want to send us some stuff, yep. we're always welcome to that. Yeah, I was following Brian before he uh, reached out to us and I, I really love his work. There's just, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, I know he's working digitally, but the way he draws, it almost feels like it's not digital. It's really hard for me to describe this, but either way, uh, great work. Uh, you should check out his uh, his Instagram account. He used to do this like really bizarre Biden comic, uh, this Biden comic strip that I thought was really funny and bizarre. So I don't know. Give it a give it a look. Have you read that, Cam? I have not. No, the first work I'd seen of his was the stuff he sent over. No, yeah, go check it out. It's really really funny. Yeah, I started following him uh, on Instagram. So yeah, uh, I'll look back for that stuff. Hell yeah. Uh, also, be a quick shout out to uh, fellow podcasters Mex Flintayo. Folks, if, if well, you do. Uh, if you if you got some spare change flopping around in your pockets, <laughs> please reach deep and give back uh, to the Outlaw Comics community. Uh, big shout out to Ramon and Daniel; they're doing some great work out there. Unfortunately, not so hot in the Patreon area. So if you can, you know, throw them throw them some love. I know they would appreciate it. Yes, but. But do not take away your Patreon contribution to us to do right. it. We come first before exactly them. Yeah. right. We're still the better yes. show. No, that I'm. You're saying the things that is, are clearly already known. 
we don't even need to discuss yeah, this. Yeah, some there's some dumbasses that listen to this show, man. I know you don't get DMs, but I get the DMs, yeah, and, which uh, I'm very grateful for. Yeah. By the way, if you're listening yeah. to this and you constantly DM Cam, uh, <laughs> I just want you to know that you rock. Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah, you for I don't, I really Cam while I just edit and not have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, I truly don't mind talking to you all. When I say dumbasses, it's from a place of love. I, I, I love engaging with each and every one of you, and I'm thankful for all the listeners yeah. that you know, yeah. interact with yeah. us. We wouldn't be here without you. So. 100%. And I am forever thankful uh, for all of our fans to not talk to me. So much appreciated. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, what do you want to talk about? You, do you want to talk about uh, bringing groupies back to your hotel room and making out with them while everybody's drawing? <laughs> while you're married? <laughs> yeah, not being able to go on the road after... Uh, your book comes out because you're making out with groupies in the Honestly, hotel room. Boss move. That's some king king shit yeah. right there. <laughs> oh man. Uh, you want to talk about getting taken off Batman because you tried to punch out your editor in chief? Yeah, well, I mean we can. That shit yeah. rocks. <laughs> hey, Tom King. For real though, for all the shit that we talk about you and your terrible comics and your dog shit boot licking CIA loving history, at least you stay in your ground, yeah, brother. Yeah, at least at least you were just ready and willing to deck an old man in front of hundreds of people. Hooah. <laughs> Whatever the fuck y'all say. <laughs> Marine strong, baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's see. What else can we talk about? Um, I maybe by the, no, no, I can't announce that yet. I don't think it'll be announced by the time this episode comes out. Uh, have you read anything cool? Watched anything cool lately? Well, I'm going through my third rewatch of Sopranos. And, Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm on uh, season 6B, so I'm pretty much- Already, fuck. Yeah, I'm nearing the end again, so you know what that means. Starting that motherfucker back up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm due for a rewatch before the movie comes out. Oh, I was yeah. going to do it before the movie came out in March, so now I have until fucking September. Yeah, plenty of time, man. Got plenty of time. Yeah. A friend of mine also recommended that HBO show Search Party, and mm, so I, that one. I, I started watching it, and then um, now I just hate watch it. Is it not a good show? It It's a weird thing. It, it is a good show. Like, it is very funny in moments, because, like, all the characters in the show are completely unlikable. Not a single character in the entire show has any redeeming qualities. These are all people you would never want to speak with ever in your entire life. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like it's always sunny in that way. Okay, where it's like you know it's a show about these fucking terrible, awful human beings. Oh, okay, apparently this was a TBS show before it was on HBO. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, oh, like apparently damn. it was on TBS for seasons one and two, got canceled, and moved to HBO for seasons three and four. Okay, hmm. yeah, I mean they're all pretty insufferable and very stupid, uh, and it's entertaining for that reason, I guess. But it's not uh, – the humor is, is not the same as It's Always Sunny. Like, It's Always Sunny has, is clearly about the absurdity of these idiots. But this is more like a grounded take on terrible people. And, but then it also has this weird mystery element to it that hmm. goes nowhere at all. And uh, it's just – it's a very strange show. And I still don't know if I like it or not. It's very bizarre. But yeah, not, I'm, really, I haven't had a whole lot of time, to be honest, to watch anything because I've been plugging away – on a couple of different projects. Yeah. And I know you were probably doing the same too. Yeah, I took today off because I knew we were podcasting and like I'm feeling bad about it, to be honest. I was like, fuck, I could have worked for like six hours. But uh, I associate the computer with work. Yeah. <laughs> Every and time you're getting ready to masturbate, it's like, time to clock in, boys. 
<laughs> no, but like, you know, usually if I'm sitting in front of the computer, it's like to ink or color or podcast. So it's like I didn't want to stare at a computer for like, you know, I, I figured we'd be recording for a couple hours today. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to stare at a computer all day. So, uh, uh I mean, after this, I'm going to color pages. So, yeah, you're much more you gotta do what you got to do, man. Yeah, no, I've got a yeah, I uh, I got to finish three pages uh, by se- I've got like six days to finish three pages. So I should be OK. Can we talk about what we're working on? I guess we can since it's our show. Yeah, I didn't well, sign, yes, I didn't sign clearly an NDA. It's our show. I know that. But like, well, no, I'm just, I didn't sign an NDA. Did you? No. Fuck. No. Yeah. All right. OK. So as many of you probably know, uh, we were huge fans of Power Trip and Riley Gale. Uh, Riley is a uh, longtime comic fan and a huge supporter of small press comics. So before he left us, Riley had hoped to work on a book, specifically an anthology series, to kind of highlight creators that he liked and give a platform for a medium that he really, really respected and loved. And Riley always seemed like one of those guys who, whatever he was passionate about, he was always on the forefront to share that passion with other people that also were into those things, whether it be music, comics, even wrestling, whatever. Uh, So in that spirit, a book is currently underway to kind of finish what Riley started. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you you probably know some details about this stuff anyway, right? Yeah, we probably shouldn't talk about other contributors, but it's pretty stacked. It's, yeah. it's a pretty stacked lineup. Yeah, it's a huge, huge list. Yeah, the lineup is insane. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some really heavy hitters uh, featured in this book. Yeah. So we're not going to go too much into detail about the book per se, but Cam and myself are working on separate stories for this book. And that's pretty much what's been taking up most of our time in the last, I don't know, month, month and a half, maybe. Yeah, I've like uh, I've got to finish mine, uh, but it should be done by the end of the month. So end of February. Yeah. So. I've been working on it for a while. Yeah. yeah. I have like three pages left to color. So I'm going to try and knock out one tonight and get the other two tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And just get it done with because I'm going to be taking a little brief trip out with my girlfriend to our house in Iowa, which is what we were supposed to do for Valentine's Day. But because of weather and the deadlines and whatnot, I wasn't really able to swing it. So, but uh, where was I going with that? Um, we were just talking about the anthology. Um yeah, so the so the book, I'm really excited about this book. Uh, the, the story that I'm working on it was written with uh, my friend Aubrey Sitterson. A lot of you probably already know his work. You know, he has too many titles now. No I'm one not left even to fight. Uh, to... Beef Bros. No, he has too many. Shh, yeah. No, stop, <laughs> stop. Too many titles. We know who he is. Okay, but yeah, it's a it's a story that we've actually been talking about for the last maybe two years. It was an idea that I pitched to him. I think around the time when our last pitch was finished or getting wrapped up. Barbarian. Bah, that's That was the pitch. It's a story that we've been working on for a while, uh, and a lot of it is heavily influenced by the early Dick Tracy strips, especially how you know the villains are drawn and characterized. And of course, since it's Aubrey and it's me, there is a pretty heavy on-the-nose leftist slant in the story, mostly just about worker uprising and getting rid of your boss, who sucks. And that's really about it. I don't want to go too into detail about the story because when it's done, you'll, you know, hopefully be able to pick up the book and read it yourself. Uh, Cam, what what is your story about? Well, real quick, if you want to see some process of that story that JB was talking about, you can join our Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com <laughs> yeah. forward slash gutter boys, where in addition to two bonus episodes a month on our off weeks, you will get process updates from both of us and writings and so forth. But no, now that I'm done shamelessly plugging our Patreon, 
Okay, so I'm not going to say with who, even though I think if you listen to the show, you're probably able to piece it together. Because I think actually by the time this episode airs, the formal announcement may have come out, but it may not have. But a lot of you all uh, have messaged me asking about my books and where to get them. And they've been out of print for since 2019. So I am releasing a compilation of stories that I still like from my books Vacation 2 and 20 and a lot of the anthology work that I did over the past couple years and stuff that was in like magazines and stuff. Uh, is being collected into one book with one new story that's four pages. So I've got a brand new four page story, I guess like an assemblage of older material as well as stuff that's never been printed before that I've been compiling. So I'm finishing that story up. It'll be done. My deadline's the day before this episode airs. So by the time you're hearing this, I'll uh, be at the point in my life where I just want to kill myself from staring at a screen too long and putting a book together because that is really fun. But it's also like to me, it's kind of stressful because you're like, okay, you have to think about how it's going to look printed and so forth. And just all the these little things that you usually don't have to concern yourself with thinking about. So yeah, there's that. And then I've been uh, working on the Riley story. I've got the first two pages of that inked and I still need to color it and finish it. Uh, That's going to be a six page story. I also went ahead because there was like a period where I didn't feel like working on comics. So I went ahead because I've got a couple other projects that I've got to do. I've got another full length book that's new that's coming out and then another anthology story that I have to have done in the next couple months and then a page for Beef Jams. I'll be in Beef Jams with you all now. Mark asked me to do Hell that. So yeah. Yeah. So I went ahead and actually got ahead of myself and thumbnailed, which thumbnail for me is like writing. So I've written and thumbnailed everything I've got to do for the year. But as far as actual work, I'm finishing that strip up. And then by the end of February, I got to have that Riley story done for that anthology. So it's pretty busy. In addition to that, we're running the Patreon now. So we're recording more often. And I've been running around, reaching out to all the contributors from Gutter uh, magazine, making sure they're all on track. And then uh, March is going to be figuring out the logistics of Kickstarter so we can launch that in April. So pretty busy. Don't forget you've been wrangling the Discord for the last two or three months. Yeah. Yo, you want to know something really sick, though? Let me see if they're still in here. Hang on. Hey, I'm going to pull up the voice chat real quick, and I'm going to pull it up on the air. Hang on. Hey, guys, you guys are on the show right now. Can you hear me? Alejandra, uh, what card did you pull out of your tarot reading? The Three of Pentacles. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay, so Alejandro was doing uh, tarot readings, and we pulled that card for me, and uh, apparently that card... Means you're gay. Means, yeah, it means that, and also whatever, like, group project you're working on, keep doing it. So, took that as a uh, a sign that we'll be making two grand a month on Patreon one day. <laughs> the stars have spoken. Yeah, I don't even believe in tarot shit, but now I do. You can apply any of that shit to your life as long as you believe. Yeah, any made up bullshit that tells us that we're going to make money, I'm all for yeah, it. Yeah, straight up. But yeah, no, so that's everything that is uh, occupying my time. Also, real quick, in uh, the land of uh, the Gutter Gang Nation, uh, we are on YouTube now, which we kind of talked about on our Patreon episode with Carlos. If you didn't hear our Patreon episode, there is now a third gutter boy behind the scenes, Carlos Gonzalez. He's going to help us with, uh, he's a Zoomer, so he's helping us with moving the show into other platforms and some other future things that we'll announce when they're more developed. But we are on YouTube now. And by the time that this episode airs, I think the entire back catalog of episodes should be up along with this new one. So if you want to find us on YouTube, that's a new place you can find us as well. Do you know our direct channel name? Uh, Gutter Boys Podcast, I think. 
Okay, we have 30 subscribers already. Nice, nice, nice. Um, it looks like it's just Gutter Boys. So yeah, if you want to find us on YouTube, you can find us. Our channel is listed under just Gutter Boys. Yeah, but you'll want to search Gutter Boys Podcast. Otherwise, you'll get, you'll get a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, so search Gutter Boys Podcast and please uh, subscribe to our channel. And uh, Yeah, also, if you work in animation and uh, you listen to the podcast and you like what you hear and you would like to have your animation featured, it doesn't have to be anything finished or polished or anything. It'd be just stuff that you have laying around that you used for practice or whatever and you kind of want to show it off let us know send it our way and we will put it in a video for youtube uh during one of our episodes all right we're gonna take a (laughs) we're gonna take a real quick break here and when we come back we're gonna be joined by brian baines from bubbles to talk zines so stick around we'll be right back Hey Gutter Gang, Uh, we want to tell you about a webcomic that is also one of our Patreon supporters, Soggy Landing. Soggy Landing is an epic fantasy adventure about a weed wizard that stumbles into a gunpowder plot to smash the state. There's lots of cartoon animals, magic, historical, and literary references, drugs and flashbacks, songs, horror, gore, and the occult. Twice a week, there are new pages of Soggy Landing at Study Group Comics, and there are over 200 pages of frogs, bears, and revolution waiting for you right now. You can follow them on Instagram at welcome underscore two underscore soggy underscore landing or at Ian Densford soggy landing hell yeah dude the fag capitals of the world Reds Live the pregame show presented by Ray St. Clair Roofing a few moments later as Holland takes over on the mound um, I made a comment earlier tonight that uh, I guess uh, went out over the year that I am deeply ashamed of Um, if I have hurt anyone out there I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart I'm so very very sorry I pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos it will be a home run This program is brought to you in part by a generous donation of $12 by the Michael Sweater Foundation for the Arts. At Michael Sweater Foundation for the Arts, we are committed to supporting stuff that rocks. Michael Sweater encourages you to also sign up for the Gutter Boys Patreon and to buy the latest issue of Strangers, Bubbles, and other zines about comics. Also, please make more zines about comics and comics history. It doesn't even have to be good. Also, Silver Sprocket rules. Now, back to our program. And welcome back from the break. Uh, we are here today with Brian Baines, the uh, creator of Bubbles, the uh, infamous or is it a uh, famous comic zine? I don't know. What's up, Brian? Hey, what's up, Cam? JB. Hey. hey, Brian. Good to have you on the show. Yeah, glad to finally get you on. Yeah. Been doing anything cool? What have you been up to? I know the new issue comes out soon. Yeah, I've just been kind of chugging away at the new issue, uh, printing them over the course of last week and this week, and uh, sending out all my emails, going to start packing up stuff tomorrow for like stores and things like that. So yeah, just keeping busy. Um, I'm in that boat of like, I haven't had a job since March, so just been kind of like doing bubbles a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, you started what? Was it 2018, I think? That's when I started, like, making it. Uh, I didn't put the first one out till Valentine's Day of 2019. That first issue oh, okay, took me, like, it was, like, a project that I was, like, slowly working on for, like, a long time. And then after that first one, I started just rolling. Like, I haven't stopped since the first one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's come out so, like, regularly, I feel like, as a reader and a fan of the product, like, I, I feel spoiled by uh, <laughs> how often it's come out in such a short amount of time. Thanks. I, you know, it was just like a snowball effect, I guess, of like, uh, I, you know, that first issue came out. It was the first time I'd ever like made a zine that like anyone really cared about. I'd been making zines for like 10 years, but never really thought much of them as like a thing that I could actually sell a lot of. It was just something to like meet new people or meet, meet people that also had similar interests to me. And so like, uh, yeah, it was a big surprise when people like Sammy Harcum or Charles Foreman started buying the zine and I was like, okay, like they were like posting about it too, you know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it just kind of came out of nowhere. I think I actually heard about it when number two came out because I think number one was out of print for a while or something like that. I couldn't track down number yeah. one, but uh, yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. And it's like, in my opinion, one of the coolest things in indie comics right now. I think like if uh, someone's looking for a place to start, I think it's something you can hand someone and they can find something to latch onto in there. And, you know, we've said it before in previous episodes, but I mean, fanzine culture in comics is was like dead for the longest time, you know, and uh, I mean, I feel like thanks to bubbles you're starting to see a revival of that yeah you know that was something you know before i started bubbles i was like a big collector of fanzines so i would have i love to buy like old donald duck ones there are you know there's still a couple that were going but they're just made by like old dudes that like aren't like really connected to like what you would consider like our scene so like zines like dicko mania or like the kirby collector which isn't like a real zine but it's like a magazine but it's it's like a, it's essentially a fanzine, but like, it's just like not really what's going on with like, you know, what I wanted to read about, but I appreciated that it was just like this labor of love, like talking about comics and it would come out once or twice a year or whatever. But I just wanted to do something that was like basically exactly like my punk zine that I was doing, except that like nobody bought that zine because punks like don't read zines like at all. It's like not in the culture, I feel like these days. Right. So zine culture is pretty much dead because I know like in the, I guess like early 2000s, 90s, you had like heart attack and maximum rock and roll, you know, well, like maximum, you know, maximum rock and roll folded. And I think I, I could talk about that forever. Like I was, you know, I published in the zine and like I could talk about it for a while things I think they did wrong. But <laughs> I think that zine should have come out, started coming out quarterly as opposed to monthly. But any, I mean, it was like, you know, when maximum rock and roll was good, it was awesome. But like, uh, and they even had a comics issue in the past, like five years before it finished. And that was like a cool issue. Abraham Diaz was on the cover and stuff. And like, it, yeah, I just think that like comics people, you know, they're just way more down to buy paper. Like, I think that like you just, you're very spoiled by the fact that like, I think almost anyone who makes a mini comic can uh, put it out and you're going to get like 50 people who will like at least be like, I'll give it a shot or try it out. You know, like they, people just love to buy paper in this scene. And it's like, it's really, it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're just conditioned to do so. I mean, I guess it's been like the standard for so long. You know, you're starting to see it move into digital avenues, but I mean, you're never going to beat a comic book, you know? Yeah, I, I think I definitely think so. And also, you know, it's just like what people collect. Like in the punk scene, people want to buy more records. You know, like people will buy stupid, like buy dumb records that you don't need to own, but won't buy like the best punk scene going right now. And so I just think that there, it's just like what, I don't know. It's It's been a big surprise but definitely i did think that there was no uh that i felt like there was a real lull of fanzines but i didn't expect 
bubbles to take off like it like it did. But I'm, you know, I'm happy to see uh, people like take to it. I think it fits right into like the culture of comics is that like that there should be fanzines going while there's indie comics going. They just they they pair really well together. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, I know you were involved in like, you know, making punk zines. So obviously in the punk community, you're in Richmond, Virginia. Is that right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm in Rich- I've lived here for since 2010. They've got like a really rich uh, scene when it comes to like punk and stuff. I've kind of stopped, you know, being so involved, like, I guess, 2008 ish. But I know that like, you know, Magic Bullet Records was there. And, you know, I know that like uh, they were like a hotbed for shows and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. And like, you know, like the government warning era, like all that stuff was pretty hot around that time, like the grave mistake records and such. But like, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty involved in that stuff. I I book a lot of punk shows and like, you know, uh, you know, like I said, I made my punk scene and like that's definitely like where I'm coming from when I make bubbles it's like definitely very inspired by that setup of like maximum rock and roll or whatever if like interviews reviews and like weird articles like you know my punk zine is like no different like the first issue of my old punk zine i played like a flexi record like 200 times just to see what would happen to see if it would you know everybody says those flexi records would like break oh yeah yeah yeah. so i was like i'm gonna do a science experiment and play one like 200 times and see if it stops working and it didn't stop working it sounded fine and but you know like that kind of like you know my zine i was way more into like always interviewing people who just like went to shows or people who ran labels or people who did recording like i I, i'm always more interested in like uh people beyond the scene not just artists because i think that like in history it's so easy to look back on like punk history and like just see like a ton of dudes and just like a ton of like artists that just like you know there's so much more than that and like that, you know, I did this whole zine that was like a huge history of Virginia punk. And it took me like two years because it was just got really tiring and really boring to like look back on. But, you know, I was really into trying to interview people who were like more adjacent or like ran record stores or just people who just like handed out flyers or whatever. Anyways, I don't know if this is making sense, but like in my zine, I like to try and talk to people like Bob Lewis or Catherine Gates and stuff like those are like exciting interviews for me or like Jocelyn. Oops, sorry, that one's not going to. That one's not announced, but <laughs> like interview translators and stuff like that, you know, like people who are not just artists because there's a lot more that makes up a scene than just like artists. Well, and that's kind of interesting because like uh, we've kind of like talked about it. Like there's like a Venn diagram with like punk and comics, like in an intersection in the middle. And I mean, yeah. we always bring up pro wrestling as well. Uh, you know, like I feel like that's another Venn diagram with comics that you could make. But where was your like, I feel like if you look at Bubbles and the content that you put inside the pages of it, I feel like it's uh, deep head material, uh, if that makes sense. Like you're talking to like some uh, underground creators, some people that, you know, are it's a good mix of like new and old creators that you talk to, publishers and so forth so like i feel like you had this pre-existing knowledge that you're getting to showcase in the pages of your zine so like when did comics kind of come into play for you i've i've always loved comics i grew up reading the newspaper strips that's like where it all started for me there was no like comic book store that i like frequented as a kid like you know i i don't have like i didn't read any i i'm 29 I got it, but I didn't read any of those like image comics or fall in love with anything like that. I never saw any of that stuff, but I read the newspaper strips every morning while I ate breakfast because I wasn't allowed to watch television in the morning. And so it was from newspaper strips 
like Red and Rover was like a favorite when I was a little kid and like just, you know, reading shit like Garfield and then like getting older and being like, wait, I, I totally read this strip before and then like exploring and reading other strips that were a lot better. And like when I was in ninth or 10th grade, I got into Zippy the Pinhead, which was still running at the time in the Washington Post. And it got taken out when I was like 17. I was really, really bummed. But like Zippy the Pinhead is like where it all starts for me because I had a friend who was a big fan and he just told me one day like, hey, if you want to understand Zippy, like you just need to read it every day. Like just don't stop reading it. And so... I gave it a shot and like for months I read it and eventually it like clicked. I like have like, I know like the exact day that it clicked, the exact strip that I was like, oh, I understand like the conversations going on in this comic. And that was like, from there it was like learning about people like S. Clay Wilson or Robert Crumb and buying old comics like that and buying like the arcade uh, magazines from like Bill Griffith's website and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I was always in the comics and like then, you know, from there I learned about like Adrian Tomine and all that kind of stuff and uh, read all that stuff when I was in college, like all those like classic indie stuff. I don't know. Am I answering your question? Sorry. I thought. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> I'm just like rambling about my life story of comics, but um, well, no, get... it's interesting how people find their way, you know, because yeah, I mean, I... underground comics is such like a, a niche, small community, you know, totally. So it is interesting to see how people get there. Well, you know, it's like, I feel like we all have like, I don't know, maybe you guys can relate that like you all have like two or three friends like where you live that like really get it, like you get it, you know? And I felt like I was able to actually find people like I like I am I I lived at this like show house for like four years and I lived with a guy who his room was right below me and he had like a comic collection that was like just like mine. And we used to just trade comics and talk comics like all the time. And it was like great, you know, to be able to go downstairs and like borrow a book that was like you know, way out of print or whatever, because he was a little older than me. So he had stuff like the Kramer's or Got 7 and things like that, that I like didn't buy. So yeah, all that stuff was always like around. It was just, uh, it was just a matter of time, I guess, before I started to like, I wanted to make like a zine about it. Because I'm very into just making zines about anything that I'm like really obsessed with. And I get like obsessed with a lot of stuff. Like when I like something, I feel like I like it like all the way. Sure, like I yeah. just get yeah. like completely turned on where I'm just like, I want to read everything and I want to like, you know, take it in. And then like my way of like putting it back out is like, all right, I have to like control my thoughts or like remember all the things I liked. And that way of like remembering is like to create like a zine. And so I think like bubbles, you can kind of like read it in that like it's kind of like what I'm just into at the moment. I mean, sure, I take some interviews and, like, do some interviews that, like, of, like, you know, this next one, like, Simon Hanselman is in it. And, you know, I wanted to talk to him because, you know, Crisis Zone had just ended. But then, like, the earlier issues, you can definitely, you know, I was just really into wanting to learn about, like, that music from Nancy. That was, like, something I just read about online and was, like, I'm going to track these guys down and talk to them. Or, you know, I wanted to just personally talk to Ryan Holmberg and he just ended up being, like, in Richmond one day. And we ended up just like hanging out for the, that was the first time we'd ever met. So, you know, I kind of like think of it as like a way to me just like going through uh, my personal interests to an extent. I mean, yeah. Do you think that you'll ever stop Bubbles? I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, it's, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see how far. I, I have at least like the next 10, 11, and like maybe 12 kind of like loosely laid out, which is scary uh-huh. to think about because it's like that's my whole year. I'm like, damn, how am I, how, how did I get like 
to this point where like <laughs> I already like know what I'm going to be doing in like June which right, is like right. cool but I also kind of miss the spontaneity of like doing whatever I wanted um, I just I, I think I just need to start like you know feeling it out as to like what it's like to plan ahead or like because it used to just be like people would just hit me up and be like hey like do you want to do this or you want to do this and I would be like yeah let's do it and then like a month later I'd publish it you know mm-hmm. and, and I like that I like but um so I'm still like kind of like teetering like i like 10 is already like packed like i had someone hit me up for an article and i was like look i just like i can't right now but like i would love to but like just like hit me back in like a few months or something but right it's just so it's like getting to be like it's just getting more full but you know i can't really complain it's it's awesome it's like you know the the fact that pe- like people are coming to me and being like hey you inspired me to like do this interview or write this article like in the next issue i have like two articles one from my friend tyler about lale west or no Tyler wrote one about Sophia Domina Foster okay and that was and he wrote this article about the Simon Hanselman art exhibit too in a past issue and I have a guy who like wrote this Lale Westman article that's like inspired by like the conversation we had and like that's like the coolest thing to see is just like to, to, to have someone like build off like the interview you had and like go even deeper into like talking about her comics that like you know her comics deserve so much like discussion they're they're just amazing yeah, for sure. And I think that's like one cool thing is like, I feel like Bubbles is like, it's a really good selection of like, you know, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but like, it's almost like a curated selection of like, just everything I'm into. So I, and I, so I guess I might be coming off as biased, but I, I really <laughs> do think that like, you do a good job of presenting like a wide world and wide variety of comics. Um, if I'm not mistaken, did you interview Lolly in that inter, in that, I think it was like the NYRC issue. Yeah. That was I want to say. Yeah. It was the fifth issue. Yeah. 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 Hell yeah. So, have you ever, like, uh, written or drawn any comics, like, in the past? No, not really, man. I mean, I I would always, like, my time to draw or make any, like, art is, like, I, I made every, like, flyer for any show I booked. So, like, that was, like, always, like, all right, I'll never ask someone to do a flyer. Like, I'm always going to draw my own flyers. Hell yeah. And they're nothing special or whatever it's collage art or like maybe a little doodle or something like that but honestly i just wish i had more time it takes a lot of practice you know you know like yeah, the old sure. saying of like everyone has like five thousand bad drawings in them and you gotta get them all out and then like <laughs> that's i i feel like i still have like 4900 bad drawings in me but <laughs> 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 but, you know, maybe one day I just, you know, I just, just like, uh, bubbles is just like one thing that I do in my life. Like I love yeah. to do it, but I also like, you know, do other things. I, I just wish there was like one more day in the week sometimes. I don't know. You probably, I feel like anyone who makes comics can understand, uh, just wishing there was more time. Yeah, 100%. So, do you want to talk about, like, what else you do? I mean, other artistic endeavors. I know you said you were kind of booking shows, so I guess you're pretty actively involved in the punk scene still? Yeah, that doesn't do very much for, like, (laughs) any, like, you know, there's, like, an old, uh, did you ever read those, like, Mitch Clem comics? Do you remember those? I don't think so. It was, like, they weren't that funny, but it was, like, a webcomic dude who made them about punk, but I always laughed. There was, like, one where it's, like, if you book a show and... It does good, like nobody thanks you, but when you book a show and it sucks, everybody blames you. All right. And I think about that like <laughs> all the time because that's like basically what's going on. You're like, so it's not like the most uh, amazing work or even fun to talk about, but I've had good times and it's like, you know, I've met a ton of friends and like that's like where a lot of my good friends from all across the country stem from was like 
booking random shows or whatever. I mean, or even just making zines like Chicago Zine Fest used to be a big thing for me. I also organized Richmond Zine Fest. I guess that's like something uh, adjacent as I've organized Z- Richmond Zine Fest since 2012. Like was we, that the first year that it happened or did you no, take over? I, I started in during the, like the seventh year or something like that or the sixth year. Okay, okay. Richmond there... Zine Fest is like one of the longer running zine fests in the country, from what I can tell at least. It's hard to kind of judge, but we're on like, I think our last one was like the 13th or 14th and we obviously canceled last year's, but yeah, that's just me and one other person as of now. It used to be like five of us, but now we're at the point where it's like me and this person, Selena, and Selena's been involved since like the second year. So like oh, we, wow. we, we kind of just like have like our vibe down as opposed as like to running a zine fest. So we, we run like a, like I love Richmond Zine Fest. I think we, we run it at the Richmond Public Library, which is a really cool venue. They let us have it for free. So the only thing we have to pay for is like tables nice. and like, you know, t- tabling as Zine Fest, it's only 15 bucks, I think. is We just raised from like last year, we raised it from 10 to 15. We hadn't raised the table fee in like six, six years or something. So That's like, probably the cheapest table fee in the nation. I know. <laughs> yeah, you know, and we, I, we took a lot of pride in that because it was like table fees. You know, we, w- I, you know, I just listened to your episode with Jasper, and we're talking about paying sixty dollars to p- pay for a to be on a website or whatever. You know. Yeah. And it had me thinking, like, well, if you want to know what it's like, I have a lot of sympathy for something like Cab or something like that. Because, I mean, the place we used to rent our space in uh, Richmond, it cost us like a thousand bucks and just to rent it for like one day. And it was like this giant room. It was like in a gay community center. It was a great location, but like it was still a thousand bucks. So I'm like, man, I can only imagine what it costs to rent out like an even bigger space in New York fucking city. Like, Jesus, like, sounds like a logistical nightmare. And, like, setting those tables up, like, I set up every single table with, like, a few volunteers, and it completely wrecks me. Like, it is, like, the most damaging thing on my body, like, all year. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. The elevator doesn't really work, so I hustle these tables, like, up and down stairs, and um, they each weigh, like, 40 pounds. But anyways, I don't know, this isn't really on topic, but... (laughs) (laughs) You're good. No, it's kind of interesting to hear about, like, the uh, shows from the, you know, the other perspective. So, is Richmond... Yeah, like, like it, is Richmond Zine Fest like open application? Is it curated? You know, we were open with application for like the longest time, mm-hmm. and something happened in Zine, the Zine world. I'd say like 2016 or 17 that like mm-hmm. zines just fucking blew up or something. Like it was like we used to beg. I remember begging people to table. And like being like, please sign up. Like we like we're trying to hit sixty tablers. Like we would love to hit sixty tablers. And people would be like, yeah, maybe, maybe. And then like one year, it just went so crazy. We filled up so fast that we were like, all right, we have to curate next year. So now we yeah. have to curate, and like we sell out every year with like a hundred people extra who we have to deny. It's like totally crazy. I I I don't know where in culture that like zines got so big but it's pretty amazing to see that like i mean even in virginia like the maybe you've heard of like um like if you know greg Steele or uh like harrington comics like he runs that noise show in norfolk yeah and it's like man norfolk not to hate but it's like a small town but he like puts on this show and like tons of people come i've tabled at or i've tabled at it once and i went to it the first year too and it's like totally crazy to be like wow like norfolk has like a comics 
like zine show, you know? Sure, and right. Like, so it's just crazy to me to see like that culture of zines and zine fests, like really, like it really feels like it's it really came back. I don't know where it will be after this pandemic, but I, Richmond Zine Fest is crazy. Like it's like we boast over a thousand people at least like coming through the doors like they count at the library and like that doesn't include any of the tablers and it's like we have like 130 tablers probably something like that and that's just as many as we can fit after that it's like there's just no more room to fit any more tablers right right so is it just you and the other person like curating it or do you bring people on to you know help review submissions we have we have brought some other people on before we kind of know like a lot of like, you know, we've been in the game for a long time. So we know a lot of like people of like, you know, who we want or like who would be the best representation and stuff. We also do like um, another thing that we'll have to bring people. We, we've brought people on to help us decide is we, we would fund. What's the word? We would do like grants. So we mm-hmm. give people it used to be like tiered. But I think the last couple of years, we just gave like everybody 50 bucks and we'd give away like six, seven hundred bucks and we'd give away like 12 12 or 14 grants and so we have like i would organize like a fundraiser like a show or something like that and then all that money would just go straight into zine fest give and then we would just write checks and we just give all this money out to these people to like make a zine so that they can they, they would have something to have on their table and we nice. give them a free table or whatever i mean once all the tape like straight up like renting a table costs like nine dollars and then the tabling fee or maybe it costs like fifteen dollars anyways and then we would off each table we'd make like 30 bucks or something and it was like it basically worked out where like we know we would make like five hundred dollars extra or something each year off all the tabling fees and like that's like we could just throw that money back at like zine people to like have grants and like get like more diversity into our show was like always the goal Hell yeah. So when the pandemic's over, you're anticipating that's still running? Yeah, definitely. I really don't. I, I know. You know, I heard, like I said, I just listened to your show and hearing about how like Cake already canceled this year. I'm like, man, ours is usually in October and we'll be relying on what the library is like down to do. So I don't know. Honestly, it was awesome to take a year off. Like uh, running Zine Fest can be like, like a whole thing. Like it's like a job, you know, it's like for like two months. It's like you have to work on it a lot. And, like, we have a pretty good vibe where I do a lot of the grunt work and Selena does a lot of, like, the emailing and, like, collecting money and that kind of stuff. But it can be a lot. Yeah, for sure. You got a lot of questions and I feel like that would cover (laughs) a lot of what we talked about. So, before we get into those, JB, do you want to get anything in real quick? All right. So, any chance that you would reprint any of your previous issues or even better yet, collect them as a book? I've thought about it. And, um, actually Chris Pitzer, he's like really, you know, of ad house. He's someone who I talk to relatively often. He lives in Richmond and he just took all the comics and like bound them. He's like really into like home binding right now. He's making these like crazy bootlegs. Like he'll make like two copies of them and and they're just like way too nice to only make two copies but but they look really cool. And like, I, you know, I just, at this point right now, you know, my zines are Xeroxed. And I just keep them in print because I don't see a reason for them to like go out of print. I I talked to like Chuck Forsman about this, about like when he was doing oily comics, if you guys were buying those, like whatever. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, he talked to me about how he's like, oh, I would just keep printing them. Like, why not? Like, it's just Xerox. You just 
print them and cut them. And that's kind of where I'm at right now because I would hate to see, you know, there'll probably come a time where I don't want to deal with as many back issues as I have right now. But at this point, like if someone's going to buy the Xena, I'd rather them buy it from me than some dude on eBay or something like that. Or And so I don't know, maybe a book would be cool, but I just don't, you know, I feel a little bad also like trying to resell the same thing to somebody, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe someone who's new would want to buy a, a full collection. I guess it would be cheaper than buying all the issues probably. Yeah, like a compendium or something like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's something that could totally happen. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I could do something. But <laughs> yeah, it could happen one day. Are you uh, like printing per order or do you keep copies in stock? Like you always keep number one and like, you know, orders for number one in. Does that make sense? I'm sorry. No, it's cool. I So I do all the printing myself. And so like I'm able to just like when I... If I like wake up one day and I, I have all the zines just like on the shelf above my desk. And if I'm like, man, I've only have like 10 copies left of the zine and uh, like I should, I'll just like, go and I'll print up like another 30 or something like that. And just okay. like, so, and you know, I used to own like a photocopier in my house and it was like this one I bought off Craigslist from like this old office building. And so like when that was still in my house, I would just roll out zines like whenever, you know, if someone wanted one thing, I would just be like, here you go. Like, I'll just make you one copy. I was like all about just like printing on demand, you know? And yeah. uh, that was like what happened with those, the issue of bubbles. Like when I first made the first one, I remember, I just kept making 30 and then I would sell 30 and I would make 30 more. And then like, that's like, but it was really, it's really nice to like, you know, I don't have to worry about like overprinting or whatever. Or, like, ordering a certain amount and being like, shit, I'm stuck with all these zines or whatever. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Hell yeah. So, uh, we're going to go ahead and jump over to listener questions. Uh, We got quite a few for Brian, so um, let's go ahead and get those pulled up. All right, Instagram user Mike Emmons asks, who would be his dream interview subject? You know, I I would... if you had asked me at the beginning of this, I would have said, or at the beginning of me making bubbles, I would definitely said like Archer Pruitt or uh, even or Matt Fury, and I was able to do that in the fourth issue. And right. I was, that was like one where like I wrote Archer Pruitt a handwritten letter to ask him, and was like, "Hey, shoot me an email if you're down or whatever." And uh, that was amazing because that was like one where I was truly like making the zine I wish I could buy, which was to ask Archer Pruitt all the questions I had because I legitimately had like I'm a huge huge soft boy fan but I guess going forward I really hope to get Bill Griffith you know when he's going to put out that new uh, Ernie Bushmiller book so let's hope that he's down to talk to me I would love to talk to him and uh, punish him because I'm like (laughs) (laughs) way too big of a Zippy the Pinhead fan for how young I am probably so uh, that'd be yeah that'd be cool if you got to do that kind of a full circle moment for you yeah, it definitely would be. I I can't wait to see people's you know people's reactions to that Bushmiller book. I just yeah, I've been. What was it delayed? It was supposed to come out last year, right? Yeah, you know, I think there was a time where it was supposed to come out in the fall of last year, but I like he recently, maybe like six months ago, he, I got like this like publisher preview kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it on the cover does say fall twenty twenty one. So I guess at this point they knew it was going to be delayed, but. This little preview has like 15 pages of it and it's just going to be like, it's just going to be amazing. It's just going to be like that, how to read Nancy, like the biography section of the how to read Nancy book, but like with some more uh, speech bubbles and like a little more inferring about like how things went down, you know, creating Nancy and such like that. So I'm excited. Anything more Nancy should be, is going to be awesome. 
Yeah, I really like the uh, two books that he did. Uh, the one about, forget the name, but the Freak Show. Yeah, yeah. That one and, was amazing. Yeah, and then he did the one about his mother dating the cartoonist. That was really good. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I thought the one, man, the title is slipping my head. The one about Schlitzie, it was just a really good auto or auto bio comic. And I think the auto bio comic genre can just be total garbage man like yeah yeah auto bio yeah. sucks I, I, <laughs> <laughs> not even just auto bio but like non-fiction man like god yeah. like, like illustrating wikipedia like your guys's favorite cartoonist <laughs> i know that he likes to do that yeah yeah for sure isn't it fun that we, i don't even have to tell you like when i say your favorite cartoonist you guys are just like a <laughs> oh yeah we know. <laughs> yeah, we, we give uh, our buddy Box a hard time about that, too, for the same reasons. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually wanted to buy his – I need to get that Child Star one because that one looked like maybe he was going to the next level and was like, all right, now I'm, like, writing a fake <laughs> yeah. story. So, I was like, oh, okay, I'm actually kind of interested in that one. Right, yeah. I didn't read that one, but, um, yeah, uh, I need to check it out as well. Because I like fake stories like that. Like, I think, like, Evan, like, Rodeo, like, I love, like, the mystery of, like, this, like, family history thing in, like, Rodeo. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, like, so, I'm, like, so into the mystery. I'm, like, oh, this is so good. And it could totally be based on, like, I don't know, some family old story but it, it's just fiction but it's it feels like that you know yeah uh, no for sure yeah it feels like there's like you could just tell that's when a comic resonates with you is when there's like that deeper layer to it yeah which you know i guess in this case would be like the mystery aspect of it but yeah it's always great when a book's able to do that in my opinion as well totally next question came from instagram user tundra wizard uh favorite holmberg translation i'm gonna have to go with uh either pits of hell or the man without talent those were both uh, big books for me. Spent a lot of time with those ones for sure. Yeah, they were super good and recent about, too. So, what about you guys? You guys have a favorite? Uh, Man without talent for me. Yeah. If you can uh, put in a word and track me down a copy of Sabu the Bruiser, I would love to read that. Man, I but, don't have a copy of Sabu the Bruiser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but maybe we can get uh, someone to hook us up. I, that guy stopped doing very much. I think he had a kid, or uh, maybe the pandemic got in the way. Is it was that Black Hook as well? Yeah, Black Hook. He hasn't put a book out in like a year. Yeah, and he like. suspended all because uh, those uh, Dokudami Tenement books, everybody's like looking for those. And if you go to the store, it says they're not shipping them right now, I oh, guess because of the pandemic. So I do have those ones. Those yeah. ones are, I, I enjoyed them. Yeah, I hope that there's more volumes of that that comes out. I know there's already been three, but I, I hope there's more in the future. I really like that guy's publishing. So, yeah. Yeah, for no, sure. No Sabu the Bruiser, and I don't have the old Breakdown Press book either. What's that one called? I don't think I have that either if it's older. The Man Next Door? I don't have that one. Oh, yeah, I don't have that one for sure. I don't have that one. Yeah, that one. I saw that one go on eBay for a lot of money recently, but I didn't buy it. But one day, I'll, I'll borrow it from somebody. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Instagram user Luke.Wes.Wins asks, first comic purchase and latest comic purchase. First comic purchase, man, let's see, actual comic books, I definitely, I remember buying the Daredevil Ninja comics. Does, does that even strike a bell? I don't even know if, how relevant those are. But I can remember buying those at like a local like card store where I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh at. Yeah, <laughs> I used to play there like every weekend until these two dudes that are probably like our age now, they got in like a fist fight. And I remember sitting there as a little kid. <laughs> they got a fight over this chair. And then after that, there's no more Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments. That shit was canceled. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Instagram user d.moses.com. 
L asks, are you planning to publish more? Any other books by Ryan H. in the works? Uh, there's nothing exactly in the works right now, but it could definitely happen. You know, I'd be down to publish another book. I really liked kind of uh, what me and Ryan did, which it was like that zine kind of or that book started off as like me saying like, hey, you should make a zine because we tabled at Durham Zine Fest together and he was just selling his like books that he had translated. And I was like, man, you should just print your Instagram out and like make it into a zine. Then you could have like actually a zine to sell at this fest. And uh, then from there, it did start as a zine. And then Ryan, he doesn't know how to do anything that's not to like the max. So of course it turned into like a 400 page book, which was cool. And uh, I like that it was like not exactly like publishing a comic or something. Not like I'm against me ever publishing a comic or something but like i like that it was like just like kind of a built upon of like comics literature or like you know literature about comics or whatever and uh yeah maybe uh, again I, I would see myself doing something like that but i'm i'm like trying to put a lot of energy into the zine and just making the zine as like good as i possibly can because i think it's easy to get distracted when like other opportunities come up and like i'm just you know this like next issue I feel like is like a really is like a just another solid issue that I'm like really proud of but it definitely like wasn't uh you know it it definitely took like all my time the past like couple months or a few months so well by the time this episode airs you should I think the zine should be out the new issue should be out so yeah, do you yeah. want to talk a little bit about like what's in it what your favorite parts were I mean because you just mentioned it was totally. kind of monumental yeah this one you know uh this one has the main interview is Simon Hanselman which was a little spontaneous I had this other interview that I'm gonna actually push to the next issue 10 because it really doesn't matter when it runs it wasn't like um, poignant to time so this next issue had I you know when Simon Hanselman finished Crisis Zone I wasn't you know like aware it was going to end but when it did end I was like thought it'd be a good idea to interview him someone suggested to me that you know that someone needs to interview him and I was like you're right this would be a really good one and I really enjoyed reading Crisis Zone every day and so yeah like just like a week or two after it was over we talked and i typed it out real quick and like so it is kind of like a current interview like we i forget what, what day we actually did it on but it was like december no on january 4th so you know like just over just like a month ago is when like it actually took place so it's, i really like putting out like something uh, as current as that yeah as for like, sure as to like someone in, in like less than two months it'll be like the interview took place and less than two months later you're like you'll be like in your house reading it which is going to be cool mm -hmm. and then i talked to any koyama which had been like kind of in the works for like a while because i hit her up like probably six months ago being like hey we should definitely do an interview just you know with koyama press ending and uh you know so we did like an email interview over the course of like a month just emailing back and forth which was really a nice break she gave really great thoughtful answers i usually love to do like talking interviews but not having to type it out was really great typing out interviews is like i think that's like my equivalent of like lettering for comic artists like, <laughs> yeah transcribing yeah, yeah uh dude it definitely sucks you guys transcribe have you guys ever transcribed one of your interviews yeah yeah fucking blows dude but <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's worth it like when you get it all typed out you're like man this is a way better interview than like if I had emailed somebody, but the, but Annie's was really good. She was able to like really type out in a great way. 
Yeah, before before I was doing comics, I did a lot of writing for different uh, websites and papers. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, doing interviews was always fun, but then transcribing everything was just the worst process. <laughs> yeah, dude. It, I'm in the middle of one right now. I'm 45 minutes into a two-hour one. Oh, fuck. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, every day I try and knock out like 20 minutes. Like, I like wake up and I'm like, I got to do 20 minutes before I even do anything. I like have to do 20 minutes of this interview. I mean, audio editing is now my new, uh, you know, fucking pain in the ass. Oh, dude, I bet that's On top of lettering, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) How many pages is an interview that's a two-hour, like a two-hour phone conversation, how many pages does that translate to when you're transcribing? Like, on on a text document? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're to print that in bubbles, like, how many, um, how long of an interview is that? If it was two hours, it'd probably be like 10 pages, and that includes, like, images, like, guessing about how many images I would do. Yeah. But- I'm hoping to really cut down this two-hour-long interview into, like, a six-page interview. Okay. Um, which I think is totally possible. I'll, you know, when people talk, you know, if you typed up what I just said over the course of this podcast, you could cut out so many times I repeated myself or things like that, you know? So, it's like, I think it's totally possible, but just, like, getting it to work with and then going from there is, like, that's, like, where I uh, I, I work hard on, yeah. on that side of it. So, I just got to get it all typed out and, and I kind of self-edit as I go like if you know there'll be a time where like I'll be doing the interview and like we kind of trail off onto some like bullshit topic like when I interviewed Simon Hanselman we like we sidetracked like a lot on the interview and it made it easy for me to be like oh this is a part I can just like listen to I don't have to type any of it it's like feels like I'm making all this progress right, right. I don't have to type any of it out right right but uh, yeah in issue 9 I also have Jasper Juvenville interviewed by Mark Palm which is cool there's Nice. They both have contributed to the zine a few times. Mark wrote an article about Mad Magazine ending, like, all the new submissions. And Jasper's done, like, at least three different pieces of art for it. You know, the cover of the free comic book day one and then the Terry Clackannon interview, which, man, if you guys could get him on, <laughs> you guys would have a ball. That the the new beginnings guy. Did you guys read that comic? I uh, I've been meaning to send him money. I figured uh, your posts would sell him out. So uh, but, no, uh, he's definitely still at the dude printed like five ten thousand or something. And I bet he still has like four thousand still in his hat. <laughs> he's a legend though, man. He calls me all the time. He doesn't have email and he doesn't have he doesn't have an email. He doesn't have a cell phone. So you just gotta call the store. It's like the only way to get in touch with him. He calls me like every week now. It's it's awesome. Hell like, yeah. Because he, he he orders the zine, he like calls me to order the zine, and then he and then I mail him to him, and then he mails me a check. It's awesome. It's like the it really feels like a nineties awesome. way of Hell like yeah. destroying my zine. So does he have like access to a computer if we wanted to interview him, or would it have to be like a over the phone <laughs> thing? I would have to phone call him. He when I when I I kept referring to Instagram as my website just because I he didn't know what I was talking <laughs> about. I was like, yeah, I posted about your comic on my website, and he was like, oh, that's so great. Like, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> he's a really sweet guy though man he's like a really nice guy i, I can't wait to because he lives oh jb you live in chicago don't you yes i do right now yeah this guy he it's in it's in the suburbs of chicago i can't when it whenever i can travel again like i'm definitely gonna be hitting up a uh, unicorn comics he just seems like a legend man i'll have to look him up yeah i'm gonna yeah. send him i'm gonna send him a ten dollar bill and uh let him send me those comics then that's definitely yeah, yeah he would call me they and be like sick. someone <laughs> dude the first issue is like amazing it's just like Though just that first plot of like laying everything out, I love the. It, it's a really great issue. But yeah, Jasper did some art for that, which was awesome. I mean, he's someone who I can always hit up, and he'll do art for me in like 
a week. He just like boom, busted out. I'll yeah. Be like, hey man, like super la- like, and it's always amazing, man. Yeah, he's yeah. Jasper's a real one. Insane. Yeah. That uh, drawing he did for the little small issue of Bubbles, where it had like two hundred Easter eggs in it to other cartoonists. That oh shit was God, insane. Yeah. Chris Pitzer bought it from him, which was really cool. He 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 bought the original art. Oh, cool, cool. Oh yeah, Jasper had a had a fire sale on his Instagram. Yeah, yeah I bought the I bought the Terry Clacannon one. He posted it and I was like, Oh, you know I wanna buy this. Like, yeah, you know, I, I need that piece of history. Yeah, he's doing a nice. story for our magazine and I'm buying the first title page from him. Uh so that's why I didn't buy anything from him. But Awesome. Yeah, he's he's a good kid. Definitely. The, yeah, the future's bright if he sticks with it. I, yeah, I think he will, yeah. Yeah. I think you will. There's a photo of him at age ten holding his like comic strips yes. in, 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 in the zine. <laughs> It's such a it's such an awesome photo. <laughs> oh, in the new one coming out, you mean? In the in the new bubbles, you'll see this picture of him that Hell he yeah. like sent me to put in there. It's it's awesome. Nice. And then um, one of like the cool things. So Ryan Holmberg in issue nine, he in two thousand twelve or thirteen, he went to Osama Tezuka's office which like hasn't changed apparently since 1989 like he died and they just never touched his office like they just left it as like this like exactly the way it was the day he died that's awesome and or you know apparently so because it'd be hard to tell but his office is still there with all his stuff just still in it. Okay. And so when Ryan was... Did you read that, like, um, the Underground Men comic that Picture Box put out? Yes. Yes. So, like, when he was researching that comic, he was doing all this research trying to find out, like, what comics of American comics Tezuka owned to draw inspiration from, like, Floyd Godfordson, Mickey Mouse, and stuff like that. And so, like, Ryan basically was like, well, is there, like, a way I can, like cheat this instead of like just doing a ton of research and like reading a bunch of old comics he was like can i just go to his office and like look at what comics he owned you know yeah and like that's exactly what he did and you know it's it's like a selection of like maybe like a hundred books and comics that is now cataloged in this issue it's like seven pages and i have like photos of covers that are like just from the web but they're all based on photos that ryan took he like took photos of like every cover and then i created like this catalog of like every comic and like that's alphabetized and like has like who's in each one so it's really cool to see like you know which weird comics like he'll own like a ton of donald duck and then he'll own like two issues of like the frank miller daredevil and stuff like that or Hmm. like one robert Mm. crumb and so it's like kind of a nice sampling of like whatever these are the comics that he decided that he kept until he died in 1989 so that's like uh that one's that's a pretty exciting one to put out just because it really feels like a piece of like you know i don't think i would necessarily make this catalog for any artist like but someone like tezuka it's just like yeah like the father of manga (laughs) he's just like you know I've been reflecting a lot about how he's just like truly like one of the greatest artists ever, you know? He's just amazing. So is that like his office? Like, is it part of like some kind of exhibit that you can go see or is it just so, like... So, no, it's like in Tezuka Pro, like that company, like his, I guess it was like his movie company or like animation studio. Okay. Like it's The office is still there. And so it's, no, I think it was like Ryan had to like get hooked up. Like it was like... He was able to like brush elbows with those people and kind of talk about who he was and what he was doing. And they were like, they let him into his office to like explore. Hell and, yeah. Like, yeah. That's cool. That's sick as, yeah. Yeah. That's sick as yeah. hell. We, we, um, there was like a drawing in this, in the bubbles that of like a photo Ryan took off the wall that like Carl Barks drew this like drawing for Tezuka. Wow. And it's like, yeah, it's like, it's a Donald Duck with like a unicorn. Like you can see it's like tied around his head and it says, great idea. 
like as if like maybe it's a response to an, an article yeah. or it's, it's like a response to like a letter that Tezuka was like you should put a, uni- like a unicorn on a, a horn on a Donald Duck it'd be like more it'd be a better story or something but um so yeah that's like a really cool article I'm excited for uh people to see that then I got just you know another article on Tezuka Osamu that uh someone wrote just kind of about him in general and I got articles on like the ones I talked about about Lale and Sophia Hoster Domino and got comics by Audra Stang who's on the show yeah 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 Audra's friend yeah, of the show yeah. mm-hmm. and yep. um this guy Connor McCann and then ES Glenn oh dude ES Glenn rocks yeah did he do a he, comic I, for you or was it like New Yorker stuff he's been posting lately no no he did a comic he did a two page comic nice very nice yeah I'm stoked to see this next issue it looks really fucking the, awesome and then the bubbles reader like the readers lists or whatever oh, so I got yeah, like 50 yeah. people this time that submitted like top tens or whatever so it's a fun like uh thing to scroll through so yeah, yeah. so i'm excited this issue uh definitely jam-packed it's like the longest one it's like almost twice as long as like the first issue it's like this one's 56 pages which i don't oh, really want to get any longer than this but ryan's article just was 10 pages long so it kind of forced me yeah yeah like I said, it's just like Ryan's book being 400 pages. Like this article just ended up being 10 pages. So Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I've uh, gotten every issue. It's always like a treat when a new one comes out. And, uh, you know, it, it, I appreciate it. Yeah. And I like that it's so dense that it takes like, you know, Bubbles is cool because like comics are a disposable medium in the sense of like you could pick it up, read one in like 10 minutes. But like Bubbles is usually like a multiple sitting read for me, which I like because uh, you could stretch it out. So that's that's really like my like when I as the zine kept going that was like a real goal for me because I do think like there was a lot of I don't know how much you guys interact with like the art book world that's like a whole nother scene like beyond like there's like a Venn diagram of like yeah, yeah. zines and art books and comics you know mm-hmm. and like I just think that there was like right. part of like bubbles is like kind of like a F you to some of those zines like those art book zines that is like they cost 25 <laughs> bucks and they just feel like you just don't get your money's worth like you don't right. get your time worth like and I really wanted Bubbles to be like you know for 8 bucks like you're gonna sit with the zine for like 2 hours probably and then like you can keep coming back to it to like look at other reviews or maybe like you weren't into some, like maybe you weren't that into Tezuka when you bought nine but like in a year later you be might be like really into him so you can come back to it and like I really wanted people to get their money's worth. And I always like, I had a good friend who made this scene called Cretans of Distortion, which was this great punk scene out of Ohio. And he always had the style of like tiny words on like giant pages, as opposed to like a ton of pages with like bigger letters. And I always thought it was like the shit. So it was like, it was only to be like four pages long, but it was like, you just felt like it took forever to read because you were just like tiny letters on these like giant, he would do like 11 by 17, not folded. Like that's how big the page would be. Oh, wow. And so, and I, and so like part of the bubble style that I like really liked, it was like, I want you, like, I like to open it and be like, wow, there's just like a lot of content. Like people react to it in like, you know, I'll table at comic shows and people will be like, wow, that's like a lot of reading. Cause it is like, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I, I don't know what, yeah, I, I like, sometimes I don't even, I think like, I'll look back on an old issue and be like, damn, I like didn't even put enough images or like the centerfold will be like, there's no images. Like one of the issues, the centerfold has like no photos. And I'm like, damn, that's so stupid. Like, it's like you open, like you, cause you just um, immediately are going to open up to the center and you're like, damn, it's just like punishing with like <laughs> small text. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think it's the New York. Yeah, the New York Review of Comics one. Man, it, it, there's a one image. It's just that was a bad centerfold. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like I said, I just want people to like really feel like they get their money's worth when they buy a bubble zine. Yeah, well, I mean, in my opinion, you know, you do. Not to simp for you on the air, but, you know. Yeah. Let me translate that. To simp for yeah. you on the show. Yeah. All righty. Hell yeah. Well, uh, next question, let's see, came from Anderson Crook on Instagram. Uh, any particular favorite Grateful Dead live recordings? All right, I'll keep this one short because I, I can talk Grateful Dead like I can talk comics. <laughs> I can go on. I'll say... The 1974, like, Winterland series, October 16th to October 20th. It's, like, their final shows. If you've ever seen the Grateful Dead movie, it's, like, where they filmed it. They play, like, the song Sea Stones. That's really crazy. Anyways, if you've never seen the movie, it has this amazing, like, 15-minute animation at the beginning. I think anyone that's in the comics or animation, at least watch that, and then you can turn the movie off. And I'll say Jerry playing by himself, or he plays with one other person, at Oregon State Prison in 1982. And then just any acoustic dead. I could go on. Like, I like a lot. I, <laughs> you know, like, I really, uh, I like really start like that early stuff, like when Pigpen was in the band, but I really like the later stuff too, when it's just like a total shit show and Jerry's like dying on stage and like, he's like, <laughs> in like 93, like those later years, he's like a, he's a total mess. It's, but like, oh, and you can hear it, but they also like started like fucking around with like MIDI stuff. They were like so bored with playing their music. I feel like that they would be like, oh, we can make the guitar sound like a keyboard. Like, let's fucking go. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> and people hate it, but it's just like, I fuck with it because they're just like some old dudes who just don't give a fuck anymore. Hell yeah. But right. We'll leave it there. I will say, no, I like Noah Van Skyver's uh, Grateful Dead comic. I thought that was a really, I thought he like really killed it on that. Uh, like, the, like his cartooning on that yeah. comic looked like a uh, really nice, like underground comic. Like, yeah. I, it really made me realize that he was like really narrowing like that furry freak brother style. Yeah. Like, he was leaning into that for sure, which was mm. cool because it was of that same time and the same location, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, man, I, I, but I just never really thought like made that connection, I guess, of like how 70s his comics, like or his like drawing style like really was. Yeah, for sure. Cam, are you a big uh, Grateful Dead fan? Not, I mean, actually, when I talked about Noah's comic with uh, Brian, and he gave me some stuff to check out, and um, I don't know, I tried that first album, and it was just like a little too acoustic for me. I think, like sounding, I think it was the first record, but uh, I'm not against it, like because they're one of those bands that like I don't listen to like actively, but like I have like admittedly been like, hey, what's this? This sounds cool, and like somebody's been like, oh, that's the Grateful Dead. Like that's kind of yeah. my relationship with them, you know. That's what I always, with the 60s sets, if you just like psychedelic music, mm -hmm. the 60s sets are like that. They're just like heavy, cool rock with a ton of covers. And But, you know, if you really want to have a good time, like we should go see The Grateful Dead, like with John Mayer. It's like the most fucked up thing you can do in like this era <laughs> of <laughs> music. I've seen it. I, 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 I've been, I've seen him in Chicago. I went with, I have some really good friends in in Chicago who are into it and like where they they play at Wrigley Field and it's like dude this is fucked up dude like the the people there and then John Mayer singing like it is just this it's amazing but it's it's like it's really <laughs> fucked up <laughs> yeah I don't, we I don't totally, know 
We should totally go. It's it's so yeah. I'll go. I mean, that's only like a four hour drive for me. But I mean, are they are tickets cheap since it's like at Wrigley? Hell no, dude. It's so fuck no, dude. That's why I was like, I don't think I'm gonna do that. We 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 can just chill on the lot and like hit nitrous tanks and shit. (laughs) Hell yeah, doing some whippets in the parking lot, dude. I remember like real fans in that that rolling up to that Chicago show, and we went. There was like a spot where people always are like selling like bootleg like shit around every show there's like a lot that always opens up and i remember walking up and there was this dude with like a tank and like you know i don't know if you've if you've ever done nitrous out of like the tank it like ices up and like the dude it was iced completely and he was just banging this tank on the ground trying oh, to get more no. nitrous out of it and no, i was like this no, is so no. dangerous <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> it's fucked up. Yeah, but. notice like there has been a, a weird revival of, of Grateful Dead, mostly thanks to like punks. And yeah, I, I think I, it's like that band Milk Music. If you like that band, ah, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> they're like they're they're great. I, if you don't have to like the Grateful Dead to like that band, but that band like worships them, and they'll even do two sets and <laughs> shit. Like like, <laughs> but I yeah, I, I think I just they I I don't know what it is. I I can't really get into jam bands. I don't know why. I love psychedelic music and I love neo psych. Yeah, like yeah. I have no problems listening to Roki Erickson or even like Spaceman Three. For us meandering as a lot of those tracks are. Yeah, it's just like I can get into that, but totally. for some reason. Something about Grateful Dead I just can't get into. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't really fuck with any other jam bands at all, but there's some I I do think the Grateful Dead are like they're amazing. It's crazy. But <laughs> I didn't get into it until like I was into it a little bit when growing up. I liked some of the records, but I didn't get into the live stuff until like five, six years ago or something. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah, maybe I'll give him another shot. I don't know. Eh, I don't know. You know, whatever. <laughs> I'm not the kind of person to be like, you have to like this or yeah, I don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just I feel like I am missing something. Cause- yeah, yeah, no, because I mean, like a lot of people I respect and like in the sense of like I respect their musical taste, like yeah, right, yeah. you know. So right. I tell you, if you like psych rock, just jam like any '60s set. Like pick out like 1968 and just like listen to a set, and they sound like really lo-fi and like it just sounds like a psych rock. It doesn't. Re- you don't have to like. Don't even were bother with like a studio album or like feel like it so they're one of those bands that was like drastically different live i'm assuming yeah i mean you know they were like that they were like i from what i can tell like one of the first bands to be like uh you know one song into the next song or they'll take a song and it'll sound totally or like they'll, they'll take a three minute song and play it for like 25 minutes live right and, and right like, that's like that like idea i guess started with them i don't even you know i can't think of any bands before that that were doing it but maybe there was but hell yeah have you ever heard of uh that japanese band flower traveling band yeah that band's awesome yeah i got into them and i was like okay well if i'm into this maybe totally maybe i'll be into grateful dead i don't know it's i feel like that like, band's a little heavier though yeah it's a little more heavy for sure but like i can ima- i can see like some sort of overlap especially with like the earlier grateful dead stuff some of the uh, later grateful dead like the acoustic stuff or like it yeah i don't see myself it getting definitely into gets that. like mad like <laughs> i can imagine it gets mad like wimpy and like uh very like i can imagine on a first like a initial listen being like just like dad rock but. Right. Yeah. I don't know if I'm into directionless acoustic, you know, 
ramblings, but <laughs> oh, yeah, seven, other, other stuff might be in. Might yeah, be in yeah, yeah, yeah. They're out there, man. Like some of those 60 sets, they would just do like feedback for like 10 minutes and it's like, oh, it hell sounds yeah. like fucked up. Those 74 <laughs> sets I mentioned, they play that song Sea Stones, which is literally the bass player and this other dude just like fucking around on synthesizers for like 35 minutes. And I can just only imagine <laughs> the motherfuckers who were not there for that just sitting through it. <laughs> yeah, and I like love it. there with... <laughs> If you listen to, listen to like one of those sea stone sets and you and you'll be like, dude, this is fucking out there. Like it's not. There's no rhythm. There's like nothing. It's just like punishing of like. I mean, I think it's awesome. I really like you know noise music and whatever. So it's to me, it's like exactly the same. But it's funny because it'll they'll go from that straight into like a pop song. Like it'll be like 35 minutes and then they'll be like Uncle John's band. Da, da, da. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, like we're back to Uncle John's band. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like if I have enough patience to, you know, stand through a noise set, uh, I could probably handle some, <laughs> yeah, some yeah, Grateful yeah. Dead. <laughs> yeah, I'll throw on a set uh, when I'm drunk tomorrow, actually. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Check it out. There you go. Yeah. All right. Hell yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, I told you I was going to get that one short and I failed. No, that was hey, on it's us. Okay. That was on us. <laughs> yeah, we, that, we, that we were on. weird steering that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Kissing underscore cousins ask us a baseball question. We are not going to ask that because we only have an hour and a half here. But, uh, <laughs> next question. Uh, not from me or Cam, by the way. We, I don't really watch baseball. Okay. Uh, next question is from writer Bryce on Instagram. They ask, what do you look for in a comic for Bubbles? You know, I, I kind of talked about this earlier. It's just kind of like... Uh, Whatever I'm into at the moment, you know, like whatever. Oh, did I? I didn't really mention the last comic I bought, but I guess like, you know, like what am I buying right now? I buy like a fuck ton of new comics. Like I recently added up all like reviews, like not reviews that people have like sent to me because people will send me comics and I'll write like shorter reviews in the back. Right. Yeah. Like not counting those, just the comics you should read section. I have like almost 200 comics of, in the past two years like reviewed which kind of blew my mind when i like added it up i was like fuck like i'm buying like a hundred comics a year and like you know i don't know i just never read comics on that level before you know like even when i was in the comics there's no way i was ever buying like a hundred books a year right yeah. but um so i don't know but that's just new books but like you know i just i'll I, you know i guess whatever i'm it's really is just like whatever i'm into you know like i'm really into like 90s manga and mm -hmm. like those are like early translations and like issue number one was kind of like really into that and I'm still into that. So I'm still buying a lot of stuff like that. Old fanzines always. Yeah, I, I don't really have like the best answer. It's just kind of like whatever falls. It's a mixture of whatever falls into my lap and like who says yes and whatever I can handle at that moment is kind of like what I'm is, is what's going to end up in the next issue. Hell yeah. yeah. All right. All righty. So next question came from friend of the show and Instagram user Sad Boy Angry Man, uh, aka Frank. We kind of already talked about this, but if you just want to kind of answer it in a, a neat little way, Frank asks, "What's the process like when creating an issue of Bubbles?" Man, it's a lot. It's I will create like a long list of everything and start estimating page counts, and I'll add it all up and try and be around like 44, 48 pages, fifty-two somewhere like that. And then I just, I create, like, I love to create lists. I create lists like all the time. That's like my way of getting things accomplished. And I'll just start crossing them off as I start accomplishing bubbles. 
And so I'll be like, like typing out interviews is like horrible. So I'm trying to get all that done quick. And then sometimes I just have to take a break and like design the cover or something. Cause like, I love to design the cover. It's like a really fun part. And I think it's partially fun because I love to listen to music while I do it. And when I'm typing out interviews or if I'm editing interviews, which is a lot of things I do, I like can't listen to music cause I just right. can't read and like, or if I'm reading comics and writing reviews, like any of that stuff I like have to do in like silence and it can get like really uh, tiring. So it's, I think it's a lot of like me jumping around and doing a lot of things. Uh, so it's like every day it'll be like, all right, today I'm going to do this interview or like today I'm going to like read three books and like try and write three reviews like best I can. Or like I used to do all the reviews like right at the end before the Zoom would come out and it was horrible. I would bring like a huge stack to work with me. I worked at this movie theater and when I would work projection, I would like just try and like crank out reviews. It was not a good way to like work writing them like as you go is definitely the method but um yeah so you know putting it all together and then i slowly like once i like edit an interview or like put the page together like i'll lay the whole thing out and like the whole like six pages of the interview and i'll be like all right that section's done and then be like all right and then you know it's just a matter of getting all the pieces together and once i realize i have like it all done usually i'll save the table of contents and like intro for last and the, and the ads, the ads, you know, waiting for everybody to send me those. Then I just put it all together. I like do a couple read throughs in like a print version. So th- and then um, from there, it's just printing and contacting people, sending out all the free issues to people who contributed and stuff. And like, it's I kind of got it down to like a science now, but it can it can, it can feel like a lot sometimes. Um, I definitely feel like I work like a full work week every week. Also, like, my studio is just my bedroom, so I never, like, escape it, you know? I feel like it would yeah. be, a, be a little healthier if I had, like, office or something, but it's, like, I, I when I wake up, I'm immediately, like, all right, let's, let's, it's, it's like, two steps from my bed is uh, my desk where I, where it's, like, I'm just constantly doing something related to bubbles, like, at all times. If I'm not designing or writing or anything, it's, like, I'm going to be reading today or answering emails or something like that or shipping shipping can take a lot of time but oh yeah yeah for sure it's like that's like the one thing about small press that like takes so much time that nobody really thinks about is like shipping and handling and packing everything up like it's such a fucking drag it's my least favorite part of it all I have it. I mean, like I say, like, just because I can listen to music while I do it, like, I, I can't know. I can get in the zone when I do shipping or, you know, like, working on bubbles has definitely been eye-opening for me. Like, do you ever feel like, like, you know, I'd say there was a lot of times in my life where I was like, oh, I definitely have, like, atten- like I can't pay attention, like, uh, some sort of ADD or something like that. And mm-hmm. then I work on bubbles and I can do it for, like, I can ship zines for, like, six hours straight and I can, like, just, I won't stop for, like, six hours and I'll be like, wow. I guess I like don't have attention problems. I just I would just <laughs> it's like selective. I, would, I was just I, would, I was just doing shit I didn't like, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And really. so and and so like or like I can uh, does I can like work on designing pages and whatever for like a long time. I cannot get in the zone with typing out interviews though. If anyone has any suggestions on that, that I just I can only do it for like thirty minutes and then I just like have to lay down and then like get back up and do like thirty more minutes or something. Get you an intern from uh, you know a local university. You know, that's, uh, that's a great idea. Yeah, media I, uh, intern I, or I've something. Pa- I, I've paid before to get an interview typed out, which wasn't really worth it. But it was just like I just couldn't handle it. But I still had edited a ton. It was like what's well, not perfect, but ah, uh, yeah. There was just there was like just I forgot even which one I did, but I was like I just like couldn't bring myself. Like I just kept looking at the file and being like I just cannot fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I just had a lot going on in my life at the time, you know, like where it's like yeah. cutting an interview out was just like the last thing. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, maybe you could uh, get a little intern there, a little free <laughs> free labor. No, but uh, I, all right. I, I, I don't expect any free labor, you know. Like, I, you know, I've been trying to work hard, honestly, to even like pay people who contribute and things like that. And like, I think yeah. that's like important to me. Like, that's like something I've been building towards. And like, you know, even if it's just like 50 bucks or something like that, but it's right. like. It's I, the gesture I, of paying someone, I think, especially in comics, that means more than the amount sometimes. To, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Especially I just, at this scale, I, I mean. Yeah. I, you know, I just don't, you know, like, I mean, I do a fuck ton of work, but like, I just, I don't, you know, when I asked Jasper to like do me a drawing, I'm like not trying to get that shit for free. Like, hell no. Like, you know, he, it's going to take him a lot of time to do it and like, it's going to be amazing and it's like going to make my zine look better. So like, he totally deserves yeah. like a cut or, you know, anyone who do- draws me a, a comic for these days. I'm like trying to work towards that because it's important because there is a lot of like bullshit and especially in the comics world where it's like, there's no money and like, uh, everybody is like kind of like in this like capitalist world we're all like taking advantage of each other and it's really whack i'm trying like not to do that but yeah hell yeah yeah, so then maybe uh no university intern but i don't know (laughs) (laughs) just check like what their family's income is and then you know go from there okay there you're right i'll I'll get like an 18 year old from the college i don't have to feel bad about that yeah exactly yeah yeah She's like, oh, you got a free ride from your parents? Oh, yeah, you're definitely working with me for free. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that works. You want to work for a national magazine? Yeah. <laughs> International, man. That's so awesome. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hell yeah. Uh, we got Instagram user Susan underscore Saran Wrap. They ask, is it worth getting your own Xerox machine? Man, when I, when I had mine, it was fucking awesome. I would say people ask me about buying one all the time because it's kind of like a scary thing to do. And I've only done it once, but... I, only research I did was I looked up how old it was and I looked up what kind of ink it took and if I could get that ink still and like if it was <laughs> and because I was like, all right, the last thing I want is like to get ripped off on um like buying this printer that's really cheap, but then I just can't get any of the ink, you know, and the printer I had was this Canon, it was called a Canon C2020. It was like maybe 12 years old or something like that. And um, I could get the ink so cheap on eBay, it would be like 30 bucks for like a thing. And the 30 bucks would make me like maybe a hundred zines or something like that. Maybe less than that. It depends on like which issue it was. Right. But like, then I'll have to pay for paper. But then I would have to buy this like one part that was like the part that actually puts the ink on the page. Yeah. And, th- and that was like 120 bucks and I'd have to replace that yeah. every now and then. So I'd still say, like, it, it was cheap. It, it was just, like, I learned a lot about how photocopiers work, and I would work on mine all the time, and eventually mine stopped doing double-sided, and then it just really stopped even doing one-sided, and it sat in my living room for, like, three months, and I was like, this shit's just got to go. Like, I yeah. paid 500 bucks for it. I totally made my money back, and I had a great time, but I just, like, I just ran it into the ground. And, like, the part that I needed to fix was, like, way expensive because it was, like, an old printer. And everything related to printers is just, like, fucking so expensive. Yeah, upkeep, maintenance. Yeah. So, it's, like, yeah, like, I would buy that one part that was, like, 120 bucks, And it was, like, all right, that's fine. Like, I can replace that. But this part they wanted me to – that I even – I think was just the problem. I don't even know. It was, like, 400 (laughs) bucks. It was, like, You don't even know. Yeah, yeah. You could drop all that money on that part and end up not even being the problem. Yeah, but it was like 400 bucks or something. And I was like, nah, I'll just buy a new printer if I ever want one. And I was like, and I had a new method of printing anyways that was like almost as cheap or about as cheap. And like, but man, if I didn't run it into the ground, if I was like a comic maker and I used it more sparingly, man, it would be, it was so sick. Cause I used to just like, people would come over 
and they, I would show them a zine and I would just feed that shit right in and be like, here's your copy. Yeah. Like I would just yeah. like like if it was like an old eighty zine, I would like take the staples out and just be like, here, I'll make you a copy real quick. And it was like awesome. Like yeah. it, that, that was just sick. like yeah. that was just the coolest thing was to be able to just do whatever. And mine was full color too. And so I was always just making flyers or like you know I made some zines without like any computers like in my time like when I had it just because like I do enjoy like not using computers to make like uh, my punk zine because I still do my punk zine like once a year maybe. But yeah, so I would say if you can afford the space, because that shit sat in my living room and like I had kind of designed my living room to like have a spot for it. Right. But um, if you have the space for a Xerox machine, it's not going to get in your way and you can get like a decent deal on it. I say it's totally worth it. Like, why the fuck not? Like 500 bucks, like, you know, just wait till you get some of those uh, government money and uh, drop it on a Xerox machine. I'd be interested in comparing like uh, overall cost between like a, a, a Rizo printer and a, a Xerox machine. Yeah, you know, I would say a Rizo printer, I don't know that much about them. I know some people who have them, but I, I, have you printed, you've printed with them, I'm sure, yeah? Yeah. Like you have to change, what's it called, like the master? Like I know those can get expensive. Uh, it So you have like these ink cylinders. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Uh, that's where the images are burned onto so that you can do the printing. So, yeah, I mean, it would come down to just like breaking down cost in terms of like parts and upkeep and maintenance and whatnot. I would just be interested in seeing those numbers because I have a feeling that Rizo might be cheaper in the long run. Yeah, it totally could be. It totally could be. I just didn't even, uh, I, I guess I just thought it was more expensive. I don't know. So I went with the Xerox machine. They're definitely easier to get your hands on. You can get a Xerox machine any day of the week. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think there's an illusion of cost, like being cost prohibitive with with Rizo. And a lot of that is because of something we talked about earlier, art books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I think that has something to do with it. Because in reality, it's really – the entire purpose of those machines is it's supposed to be cheap, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just – I feel like it probably depends on the machine you get. If you get one that you can still get the stuff that's cheap, then like – but I think some people end up with like they buy a riser machine that's like too old. And then when you start going online to try and buy ink and other parts for it. Yeah. They're just like so scarce that it's like. But I bet if you did the right research, I bet you could totally. I think you're right. I think you could definitely. And maybe uh, I, I could see myself buying one in the future. I just I'm just not there right now. To- <laughs> I, I know there's a there's a shop here in Chicago that specializes in selling risograph parts. Including, oh, wow. including like uh, ink cylinders and whatnot. I think they are available. It's just like one of those things where it's like slightly esoteric, or at least more so yeah, than Xerox yeah. machines. That you do have to do more research. You do have to be part of sort of this like weird printing community. Definitely. But I would say if you were to do that and then also compare the prices, I think it would still come down to like Rizo being slightly less expensive and and much easier to deal with in terms of like uh, maintenance and and repair. Definitely. Because it's a simpler machine. It's like you're only dealing with – there's like – depending on the – like like you said, the type of Ryzen machine that you use, most of them are either made to print one color at a time. Some are done for two at a time. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm sure you get a pretty nice deal on a one color printer. Yeah, I'm sure you could. And you can always, you know, change out the color. That's something I know people used to do with Xerox machines too. Like if you buy a one color printer, you can like feed the paper back through again yeah kind of get that like a similar oh yeah look. yeah right like right. a screen printing look yeah yeah kind of you know, like that you'd like little inks actually layer and stuff that was always like a nice uh xerox tip 
Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. But yeah, so I back it. Buy a Xerox machine. I think it's awesome to have that shit just like right in your living room and at like midnight you can just like start fucking around and <laughs> there's a lot you can do with it. It's cool. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, we got two last questions before uh, we get out of here. Uh, friend of the show, Caroline Cash asked, what's your Taco Bell order? Man, it depends on when you're asking me this because of course potatoes was in my, uh, in my order, which uh, have sadly gone off the menu until... I think they're releasing them on 311, which has to be in relation to the bands. I can only... That doesn't make any sense. It has to be, like, the band that has to get involved in this at, at some point. I can but. see them playing, like, a, a Taco Bell song, like, in a commercial with some Mountain Dew. I can see them playing a show, definitely, in March, no mass, just jamming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Celebrating the potatoes. But def- So, my order, definitely, it's hasn't really changed i kind of uh it would be like the potato soft taco beefy five layer i used to love to get the churro baja blast and then like you know i usually always get the i would get the potato soft taco and then the beefy five layer and if i was really hungry i would just like get a third one and that one that was like my random one like to keep it fresh i never i would be yeah so yeah that's kind of about it i still go sometimes hell yeah i I love taco bell but go to cook go to cookout more these days without the potatoes yeah cookout rocks too (laughs) yeah Hell yeah. All right. Well, JB and I have discussed our Taco Bell order many times on the show, so. <laughs> you can just edit in those. Uh... Yeah, the previous clips. <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking that shit up again. Oh, no. Okay. Do you you want to get Dylan's question, the last one? Yeah. Well, we have another oh, one from the Discord, right, from Michael Sweat. Uh, well, it, it was about like kind of like the process of getting comics in, which Brian already uh, answered. Oh, I thought he was asking something else. Was it? Hang on, let me read asking it. Asking uh, if, if you were featuring original <laughs> comics in the pages of future issues. Oh, more, okay. Yeah, more yeah. original comics. Gotcha. Yeah, that is different. Okay. So, my, my, my new thing with that has been I get two people to write two pages. That's been, like, where I'm at right now. So, it's like Audra did two pages and ES Glenn did two pages. And then in issue 10, I already have those two artists picked and... They've already said yes. One guy's already sent me his art. So, like, you know, I want it to be a little mix of comics and, like, comics interviews and shit like that. But I'm definitely uh, lucky that at the point right now, like, most people who I ask will say yes and do it or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to see myself doing more original comics, but definitely at least two or three artists. Okay. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, last question is from friend of the show, Dylan at Drug Dogs on Instagram. He asks, <laughs> DC Hardcore or Virginia Basement Punk? Gotta pick one. <laughs> That's easy. I, you know, I, I haven't, I don't think I've actually formally met Dylan, but we will message all the time because we were both friends with uh, Riley Gale. And, you know, we have definitely have a lot of mutual friends in like the punk scene. But easy, it's Virginia Basement Show. I'm not, I like some of those DC Hardcore bands like, pure disgust and uh i love the band combat which was really wasn't like a capital h hardcore band but uh i like all the, i like those dc guys but man i would definitely rather go to like a stupid basement show here in richmond that's like a lot more sloppy and a lot a lot more fun to me something about i'm not a big fan of dc i think it's a shit city sorry guys no it, it does <laughs> suck the city itself sucks i like a lot of people there and some of the best zines going right now like the i love the shining life press thing that my friend john does and the zine demystification that my friends ambrose and paula do it's like an incredible punk zine and it's like transcends punk zines because it's more than that so like they have some of the best zines going right now and i think it's like so cool but man that place is just so expensive and like the vibe is just way off for me 
But like when the vibe's cool, it is. It's a cool. It can be a cool city for sure. But I'd much rather live in Richmond, where the cost is like less than half of DC. Hell yeah! All right, yes. there you go, Dylan. There's your answer. <laughs> there you go, Dylan. We can talk more about it. <laughs> so uh, before we get out of here, Brian, where can people find you on social media? Go ahead and uh, plug your shit. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. It's like my main social media. Bubbles underscore Zine and. Um, yeah, I have a website, bubblezine.com. That's where you can buy any of my zines and my uh, email address and address. They're posted all over, so feel free to write me a letter. I always have a letters section. Love getting letters in the mail. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for uh, having me on, guys. This was Of course, fun. dude. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Glad we were finally able to link up. Yeah, man, this was fun. We should do it again. Yeah, definitely, for sure. So we'll have you back for a Patreon episode or maybe a future episode. Totally, man. Yeah, so before we get out of here, if you want to participate with us on the show and ask JB and I questions or questions for our guests, uh, you can find us on social media at Gutter Boys Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can also send us an email at gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com. And like I just said, we are on Patreon still at patreon.com forward slash gutterboys. Uh, you get bonus episodes and uh, process posts and other stuff from JB and I there. You can find me on social media at Cam Del Rosario and uh, JB. You want to plug your shit? Yeah, I'm at More Crimp Junior on Instagram and Twitter. We're on Instagram and Twitter also as at Gutter Boys Pod, or you can email us at Gutter Boys Podcast at gmail.com. Alrighty, so until next time, stay gutter, y'all. I was a terrorist since the public school era. Bathroom passes, cutting classes, squeezing asses. Smoking books was a daily routine since 13. A chubby nigga on the scene. I used to have the tread goose and the goose goose in my bubble goose. Now I got the Mac in my knapsack, lounging black. Smoking sacks up and axing sidekicks with my sidekicks. Rocking fly kicks, running for the tracks.